0: And I am going to read the first 11 verses of Proverbs chapter 6. Follow along as I read. When I'm done reading, we'll remain standing together for prayer. So glad you're here today. Proverbs 6 verse 1. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go, humble thyself, and make sure, thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter, and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which, having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, and so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. May God bless his word. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you again for your faithfulness to us. And we lift up uh, the, the many folks in our church uh, especially those that are really struggling with some serious physical issues. And we would ask you, Lord, to to tend to these dear folks and strengthen them and lift them up again. Uh, Lord, and especially just use, we know that you work all things uh, together for good to them that love you. We know that you work all things together according to the counsel of your own will. And we know that you have a purpose, Father, for everything you allow in our lives. Help all of us to seek that. Help us to to seek you, uh, not that we'll always understand what's going on in our lives, but that each circumstance that you graciously allow would draw us closer to you and strengthen our faith. And so we lift up those dear saints, uh, representing our church, family, and friends, and we just ask you to touch them and glorify yourself. Please bless your word to us today. Help us to grow, help us to seek your word, help us to be encouraged at the answers provided in scripture, and we pray for your blessing now, in Jesus' precious name, amen. And you may be seated. Good to have you today. Good good to have you here today. We are, um, today I'm going to address an issue uh, that we're going to talk about missions, because we're going to. Um, open up the uh, Faith Promise Missions Giving as we plan for next year's Missions Giving. But I'm really not going to be talking about missions more than I want to talk about an issue that I believe is kind of foundational. Uh, as a, Anytime a church, anytime a pastor or a minister exhorts his congregation on giving, uh, it can be a very sensitive issue. And, uh, I, you know, growing up in the church I grew up in, so many people complain, all the minister does is they're asking for money all the time, you know. Um, And I am very keenly aware um, that there are people that can give, and there are people that can't give. And uh, we want to be a blessing as a church to you. Um, And I realize uh, we we have offered uh, something called Financial Peace University, which is a, a seminar. I think it's like eight weeks. Usually we do it on a Monday, Thursday night. I forget when. But it has been a big help to a lot of people. And I really appreciate this um, seminar uh, because of something that uh, they have developed called the baby steps and I 'm all about making things simple in our Christian life and when it comes to finances uh, I've counseled enough people that I know it can be just overwhelming uh, it is the number one reason that people get marriages end up splitting up because of financial pressures uh, and um, It can just, just mentioning money, finances can just create anxiety. In fact, many of you, I'm not like looking at each one of you and what's the stress level in this person and what's the stress level in this person, but but I know how it works. And uh, so I love this. uh, The best program I've seen is this one called Financial Peace University where they help people to get out of debt. And America is big time in debt. Our, our, Our government... Uh, is not following Financial Peace University, by the way. (laughs) Clearly, we are so, so very far in debt. Um, And debt has become a way of life. In fact, I addressed this at the men's conference. My topic was stewardship of finances. Uh, And I pointed out that it was, um, in the 1950s was when the very first credit card came out. And by, in fact, by 1970... Printed this up. Let me make sure I look. By 1970, uh, I think it was only. S- by 1970, only 16 percent of Americans had a credit card, and um, paying with cash was just a normal way of life. And then something happened in the 80s, and, it, and it's changed the whole ball game. Credit card companies figured out how to market debt with interest rates of around 18 percent, and credit cards took off. And they became a way of life. Um, it used to be, again, that it, people would look at the value of something and say, you know, how much does this car cost? And it'd be, oh, okay, six, seven, eight thousand dollars, whatever cars cost back then. And we figured out, okay, I can afford that. Uh, we've totally thrown that out. And we're, we just, you know, can I afford the monthly payments? Is the way we tend to think. And so many Christians are just strapped and then for a pastor to come and say, hey, we're having faith promise missions giving. And, uh, you know, it's just like, great, just what I need. Um, but just so you know, just so I address this issue, actually, I better take care of this first, is that uh, for those of you, and what a blessing. Our church has supported many missionaries. The missionaries we support, some, so many of them we've supported for decades. And that means you contributed to getting missionaries on the mission field. Some I can mention, some I can't mention, what the mission fields are. But because of your faithful giving as a church, we have put multitudes of missionaries out there, and they're still out there, uh, able to do what they're doing in all across the globe because you have been giving to missions. And the way we do it as a church is something called faith promise giving. Uh, I'm not going to go into great detail. There are what we're encouraging people to do, and this is for those of you... You know, you ought not to feel pressure or guilt when it comes to giving. Uh, and we'll talk about this because the, the, the message today is this. I can't give. What about those people that can't give? I can't give to missions. Because we're going to help you to get to a place down the road where you can give to other Christians, to, to missions, to those things. We really want to help you do that. Uh, but for those of you that have been faithfully giving and you're, you're in a financial place where you can do it, um, and I forgot, first year I remember that that I had, last year, where I didn't preach on missions and we didn't collect faith promise cards, and so we just kept the mission budget we had and God provided through you folks. So this year we're going to do it now. We have these, uh, if, you, if you're led and you have the ability to give to missions, uh, there's these uh, faith promise slips, mission slips, uh, you pray about what God would God would do through you for our missions program uh, and then fill it out. Now there's not only are these on the back table, but then there's also an explanation sheet because I'm not going to go into great detail today. I've preached on it before. It asks some it answers basic questions about missions giving the way we do it and the way many churches do it. And it has been a great blessing. Uh, and I want to encourage you folks, if you're in a place um, to be able to give to missions, want you to pray about it and then fill one of these out you you, uh, keep one as a reminder and then you hand the other one in and then take that sheet because it'll answer all those questions but let's talk about um, well let's talk about the idea that uh, about giving first of all and I want to make it very clear um, biblically speaking That giving, your financial giving to the church or anyone else or to any church is not a salvation issue. And yet, there seems to be built into people's psyche this idea that I've got to do something to earn favor with God. And it has been a core challenge down through the ages of church history. When you when you see the battle over doctrine uh, that that people think that they've got to appease God or make him happy uh, and so they've got to do something my works my good deeds are what's going to make me acceptable to God and so there's so many precious people that are giving to their church and maybe they're just going to church and And they're doing their their church's functions, the things their church requires, because they want to be accepted of God. And Folks, I want to encourage you. Uh, First of all, in Acts chapter 3 and verse 5, the Bible says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. It is not what you do that makes you acceptable with God. Please understand that. It's what Christ has already done that makes us acceptable. There was a man in the in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 8, <coughs> that saw Peter and the, the early church performing miracles uh, through the gifts that God had given that, that first century church. And there was a man named Simon who saw that. And uh, he was... Uh, Someone that I think it's called—he was called a sorcerer. That he um, he was into uh, wowing people, and he saw the gift that God had given, and so he went up to Peter, and he's like, and he he wanted to buy. He said, "I want this power. How much? You know, how much can you do?" And Peter said this in in verse twenty. He said, "Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money, and yet there's so many dear people." that are trying to work their way to heaven. And by the way, if you are going to try to go that route, please understand, you've got to go all the way. I mean, you've got to talk about dotting your I's and crossing your T's. You know, the Bible says in James chapter 2, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. You see, you'd have to be perfect. You'd have to obey every law in the Scriptures. Here's what so many miss, and I missed. The law is not given to make us righteous. The law is actually given to condemn us. The law brings a curse. There's a saying, and this is so true, and I hope you understand this. Because this issue of salvation, folks, is so confused today. We will say this, and under, let me give a caveat, but we there's a saying, you have to get someone lost before you can get them saved. Now, I understand that, you know, it's not like, okay, it's up to me to get them lost. That statement, you have to get someone lost before they can get saved, is simply a term explaining the way we present the gospel. We realize that salvation is of the Lord. We realize that God does a work in the heart. But what we say makes a difference. And if we don't preach the gospel and and use the law to show people that they're sinners, the law condemns. doesn't save anyone. But again, a person has to be condemned before they can truly get saved. And there's so many people that are they're, they're still trusting in their good works. They think, I, I know I can do it. I'm, I'm going to do my best. You need to realize your, your works, your actions, your religiosity, your giving, your financial, all that stuff cannot make you right with God. You say, then what's the use? Why even go to church? Ah, oh, here's, here's the thing nothing you do can get you to heaven but what jesus christ did on the cross is all that it took you need to simply come to calvary realize that you're lost you know you can't get saved until you get lost realize you're lost and you need a savior and there's only one savior and that's jesus christ so as we talk about giving today um Please understand that giving is not a salvation issue. Uh, you're not going to get pressured like, okay, you know, if you're not giving, you're not saved. No. But there are reasons for God's people uh, financially, and so we want to talk about that. There is there is a giving in the scriptures, which is a matter of obedience. And again, obedience is not how you get to heaven. But for the child of God that's been saved by grace through faith alone, who wants to please God, there are rights and wrongs, aren't there? I mean, there are things in the Scripture that say, okay, I want to do this, I don't want to do that. Not to get to heaven, but just to honor God. I want to glorify Him. I want want Him to be happy. I want to walk with Him. And so there is a giving in the Scriptures that in the Old Testament it was called tithing, it, and it's carried into the new testament this this concept that when it comes to obediently giving for god's people he does it based upon how he provides for us he doesn't do it like okay how much can you give then okay i got to top that we are our giving is just between us and god and it's totally based on how he provides for us and so if there's someone that doesn't have a job They're in between jobs, or they have a health crisis, something's going on, and they don't have income. You know, when we pray, Lord, bless those that can give and those that can't give, that would be that second category. Uh, And so you might be in that category. And uh, if you are in that category, please understand that you ought never, when a plate is passed around in church, you ought never to um, guilt giving. Like, oh, you know. That's why a lot of people will tip God, you know, give them a few bucks in the offering, just just to ease their conscience. We don't want you to give that way, you know. We want God's people to give cheerfully out of a, a blessed heart, not out of obligation. I got to give, but because w- we've been so blessed, and like Lord, thank you. That's that's what our giving is. But we're not going to talk about tithing. But there is a giving that is. Um, voluntary it is uh, free will offerings it's um, over and above what God provides as he's blessed us and that's what we're going to talk about because that's how many churches in our church provides for missions it's an opportunity for God's people to give above and beyond uh, what God has provided there's a giving in the New Testament, that meets the needs of the local assembly. Just as there was a giving in the Old Testament that met the needs of the Levites and the ministry in the Old Testament. Uh, They gave their first fruits. and You know, there was an entire tribe of Israel called the Levites that got nothing as far as the inheritance when they went in the promised land. Nothing. They totally survived off of the off of the tithing of the other tribes, and God commanded them. You know, in fact, I had the verse, but I didn't bring it with me. God actually commanded them. Don't. This is a total paraphrase, but he basically said, "Don't let the Levites starve." You know, you want to make sure that you bless them because that's how they survive. When well, the New Testament, there's that same concept, and we we again we won't go there, um, but in in. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, they have that idea that they who preach the gospel should live of the gospel. In other words, it goes into great detail. The way God funds ministry in the New Testament is through the giving of the body of believers. And that's what we do here. So usually when people visit the church, we're not asking for their money. God provides, God has provided for the needs of this church and this pastor through the faithful giving of this body of believers. People that are identified, this is my church, and they support it, and they give. So if you're visiting today, now if you're giving, if you're visiting today, we already took the offering, didn't we? If we're visiting today and you gave something in the offering, and you're like, oh, I didn't know that, I want it back. Talk to us after, you know, we'll arrange something. But here's the key, is giving is for this church body, it's how God provides for the needs. <coughs> so let's talk about missions giving. And this is where I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 6. <coughs> and let me, let me back up here. There is a primary way um, how God directs his children he directs us in many ways through open and closed doors, circumstances. Sometimes he'll close a door, um, and there's you know it's clearly his leading. He he leads us through the people in our lives, uh, their needs, and, and various ways. But he also leads us through our finances, and that's one of the ways that since the 1950s and definitely the 1980s up till today. Um, So many Christians in America have really made that a non-option where, you know, finances aren't a thing because we have credit is so easily available. And, uh, you know, if if there's something we want and we don't have the funds for it, all we got to do is pray to Visa. We don't even need to pray to Visa. We just flash them out. You know, we do that. And we could be missing an opportunity for God to show himself. He he may be closing a door, he may be opening a door, uh, but again, um, look at Proverbs chapter six and verse one and following. Proverbs six and verse one says, "My son, if thou be surety, if you have a King James Bible, it has the English word surety. If thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, what is this surety? What is this stricken?" Thine hand? What are they talking about? They're talking about guaranteeing a debt. Security for a payment. Uh, It used to be called hand hand bargaining. Uh, We hand bargain for that. And it used to be, even in America, that your word and a handshake was enough to get, get two people to enter into a commitment that they would honor you know and, and so the idea of surety, if my son, if thou be surety for thy friend, the idea again is guaranteeing and, and we use the term co-signing, but this isn't totally perfectly parallel with the concept of co-signing though it would certainly include uh, certain aspects of guaranteeing like an open open line credit for someone, that kind of an idea it speaks against it. Verse 2 Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friends, go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter. A roe is an Old English term. It, it literally referred to the gazelle, which was the smallest type of antelope in palestine back in bible days and it was a very is a very quick animal and the idea is haste deliver thyself as a roe as a gazelle from the hand of the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the fowler this is a challenge which prior to 1970 would have been understood and Even by unbelievers, it was just a general concept we would have all acknowledged. Yeah, you know, being in debt is not a good thing generally. It's not a sin, uh, and and there's certainly circumstances where that happens. Sometimes it needs to happen, um, and God addresses that in the scriptures. But certainly, it was not to be a way of life like it is today. It's just, it's just what we do. And this very challenge, the scripture is challenging us that if we are in a a relationship, a, a, a credit relationship, the borrower is servant to the lender. And that's a very important point in scripture. The rich ruleth over the poor, the borrower is servant to the lender. And here's the point that so many, in my mind, so many American Christians don't understand. The issue is not quantity, but stewardship. There's a parable in Matthew chapter 25. You don't need to turn there. Uh, It's a parable of um, a person. One person was given five talents. Another one was given two talents. And another one was given one. And then they, they were all responsible for what they did with that amount that they were given. They were not compared. The guy that was given one talent wasn't... Expected to do with that one talent what the person that had five talents was to do. But the idea is stewardship. Whatever God gives you or doesn't give you, we are to be wise managers of that. And so many people have this attitude. Well, if I only made more money, I'd be sure sh- I'd be so generous. If I only if I could make what that guy makes or that gal makes. Man, I'd be as generous as anything. And they missed the point. The, the issue is stewardship, not quantity. Whatever you make, God wants us to be faithful with that. That's it. He's not putting demand. And uh, I want to remind you again, this is not a salvation issue. We're not talking about, oh, if I don't give, I'm not going to go to heaven. No, it's, You know, the the payment for heaven was paid in full on Calvary. Your tithes or any of your religious deeds, any ordinance, whether it's baptism or anything else, is not going to get you into heaven because it's not our what we produce, it's what Jesus produced on Calvary. So remove that off the table. But God does provide for His people Uh, financially and and here's what i see so many christians seem to miss is that when you and i are living a life like most americans in debt then we have taken away our biggest opportunity for stewardship blessings your income whether it's one talent two talents five talents whatever your income is is not only your biggest source to be able to bless your own family and others, but if, that, if your income is going to another person primarily with interest rates, then you're limiting your ability to be wise with what God has given you. And so some people are just, they're not in a place to give because they're so in debt. And the challenge is, and that's why I love this concept of the baby steps, because, and I, I have been in debt to the place where I know, exa- those of you that are in debt, I know it does not feel good. Uh, and I know the, the pressure it puts on a marriage. When you get the credit card companies calling you, like, hey, you're past due. Um, that is not a good way to make your wife happy, you know. Hey, honey, I got a call from Visa. You know, it's, it's not a way to make your wife feel secure. So the challenge is, and don't get overwhelmed with it. There's a way to just go step by step and to get out of debt. And First, you got to be motivated to do it. First, you have to want to do it and not just, if you just say, oh, I'm overwhelmed, it's too much, I just quit. Don't do that. We want to encourage you. Maybe you can't give to missions in 2023. And I understand that. And I'm not going to put any guilt on you for that. But I do want to help you. Because I know, I know what it's like to be in debt. And you cannot bless others financially when you're strapped financially. Uh, and, And so that's the point here. So again, look at Proverbs 6. If thou be surety for thy friend. If you and I are living as servants and a bondage to someone else, the creditor. Uh, notice what it says. Um, deliver thyself. Do this now, verse 3. Deliver thyself. When thou art coming to the hand of thy friend, do it how quickly, verse 5. Deliver thyself as a roe, as a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, as a bird from the hand of the fowler. When you and I are in a place to be debt-free... I want to tell you, it's one of the biggest blessings. Because then God, then we can know that God's providing or not providing, that God's opening a door or not opening a door based on what He provides. I love, I've quoted this a million times. So any of you that want to roll your eyes, you can do this. It's a quote from Hudson Taylor's, he was a missionary to China, China Inland Mission, and he wrote this in his journal before he was going to go to China, and he was... He determined before he left that he was going to never ask humanly for finances. He was just going to seek God alone. And this excerpt, uh, he says, Our Heavenly Father is a very experienced one. He knows very well that his children wake up with a good appetite every morning. He sustained 3 million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect he will send three million missionaries to China, but if he did, he would have ample means to sustain them all. That's a good point. He said, And then he said this later, he said, depend on it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. You may have heard that quote. That's probably the most famous of it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. That's affirmed in scriptures. In the book of Philippians... The Philippians gave to Paul and to the needs of the ministry there. And in Philippians chapter 4, Paul wrote to them, and he said to these who were faithfully giving, he said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's a promise. Hudson Taylor goes on, depend on it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. And here's an issue, here's a statement that was his conviction, and I believe it's true for our church. He is too wise a God to frustrate his purposes because of a lack of funds. Do you know how encouraging that quote is to me, that little phrase? Because I remember when I first went in the ministry, and we were I was in Bible school, and we were going around preaching at other churches. I remember hearing about a pastor who had pastored for a few years, and then He resigned, and all I remember, I don't even remember who it was, but I remember he communicated the idea, the way he presented it was that I want to be in the ministry, but you know what, it's just God did not provide. God didn't provide. And I remember, I I hadn't been in the ministry yet, but I'm anticipating it, and I remember this sense of despair. Like, oh no what if God doesn't provide for me? Oh no, Man, I shouldn't go in the ministry. And then and Hudson Taylor comes along. He said, God's work done God's way will not lack God's supply. He is too wise a God to frustrate his purposes because of a lack of funds. I believe that. I don't believe God's up there pulling his hair out going, oh no, how are we going to get people in the mission field? Oh, my my purposes are frustrated. No. God has met our needs for 30 years. And we have, by God's grace, been able to support missions. And missionaries are on the mission field for decades. Because God, his purposes are not frustrated because of a lack of funds. He is just as able to provide beforehand as afterward. And by the way, that's brought out in Scripture. Look at the tabernacle, building of the temple, building of the ark. The bu- major building projects in Scripture were all funded ahead of time. Again, He is just as able to provide beforehand as afterward, and He much prefers to do so. So I want to encourage you. There is a blessing, and I don't want to share. I want to close with this story that I've also shared this many times. Um, I will never forget when Tom Pollock, who was one of my pastors, associate pastor in Westchester, a man that I love dearly, is with the Lord now. He shared this story. He shared every story with like enthusiasm, like this is life-changing stuff. And when he shared the story of the inventor of the slinky, he came alive. I mean, he was like talking about spiritual stuff. But it it hit me between my eyes. In fact, I've had, I don't even know if I still have it. I had a, oh, I do. Because I was so, because I'm so impacted by this um, illustration, I still have a slinky. So if you're wondering what a slinky is, how many of you had one of these growing up? All right. Let me tell you, I'm going to give you the history of of the slinky because it illustrates the importance of us having priorities when it comes to our finances, In 1943, a Navy engineer engineer working at the docks in Philadelphia in Fishtown, his name was Richard James, he noticed a tension spring fall off a table and wiggle on the floor. And a light bulb went off in his mind when he saw that simple thing. He invented this thing. His wife was the one that said... Let's call it the Slinky, which is a Swedish word meaning sleek or sinuous. And uh, gimbal's in Philadelphia uh, every Christmas had a, an opportunity for people to peddle their wares, and so he had five hundred, do- he had four hundred Slinkies made um, for that Gimble's demonstration, and within ninety minutes he sold out, and. So then, they invested five hundred dollars, and he and his wife Betty founded the James Spring and Wire Company, and they mass-produced their creation. Later, became James Industry in nineteen fifty-six, and they became very, very wealthy over over this, which is pretty cool. If, you know, you ever drop this on the steps, see how it goes down? I remember that as a kid. Precious memories, you know. <coughs> but. In the 50s, they became millionaires. And he got saved. He got saved. And he started uh, giving, he was a very generous man, and he started giving gobs and gobs of money to missions, to Christian causes, so much so that he neglected the needs of his own family, and he was on the verge of bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. Because he had funded so much, so much. And he loved giving. And then one day, in February of 1960, he came home and he announced to his wife and to his two oldest children, God's calling me to the mission field. We can either sell our company or I can go and you can stay and run the business. By July. So February he made this announcement By July, because his wife was not ready to go. His wife was, no, what are are you talking about? And by by July, he was gone to Bolivia as a missionary. And his wife was left to take over with his six children. He ended up dying of a heart attack in 1974. His wife was asked... Um, what had gotten into her husband. And uh, it sounds like she may not have even been saved. uh, Somebody said this, I asked Betty what had gotten into her husband. She said, slinky sales were slumping in the mid-60s and that Richard, a charismatic man who had gotten used to being a big shot, liked the attention he got while confessing his sins. A little, little sarcastic tone there. By the way, she died at the age of 90 in Philadelphia in 2008. Um, but this man just, he forgot 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let, let's go there. We'll close with this verse here. I promise you it will be the last verse we look at. I'm not sure when I'll be done talking, but this will be the last verse we look at. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. <coughs> and verse 32. First Corinthians 7:32 and 33 see there's a principle and I've used my friend Pastor Ray Paget who was here last year I guess, um, who was called into the ministry at a point in his life when his wife wasn't ready he felt called to be a pastor, his wife was not ready and Ray Paget very wisely waited and ministered very involved in pro-life ministry, waited for his wife. And then finally his wife was like, okay, I'm ready. And then he was able, he was a pastor for many years. Precious brother. He is the, anti, um, the anti-Richard James slinky guy. Because he put his priorities right. So look what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and verse 32. But I would have you without carefulness. Anxiety is that. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how you may please the Lord. If Richard James was a single guy would have been fine for him to make his money and then go to Bolivia. But he wasn't. He was married. Verse 33. He that is married careth for the things that are of the world how he may please his wife. Don't be a Richard Slinky. I mean a Richard James. Be a Ray Padgett. God is going to provide for your needs through your labor if you're able to do that. He's going to provide and you wisely You know The Bible says, if any man provide not for his own, especially those of his own household, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. In other words, we've got to have priorities. Family first. Are you taking care of your family? If you're not, maybe you're so in debt that your needs, your family's needs are not being met. And you're not ready to give to missions. I understand that. Take care of those needs. Get out of debt. Uh, if, if I hope to have Financial Peace University. I'd love to have it every year. Hoping that someone that's gone through it already would kind of take over and, and be the um, coordinator so we can have that running. Uh, but what a help that that thing is to really help people to get motivated, first of all. And by the way, sometimes that's the biggest thing, isn't it? You know, just to get motivated and encouraged. Uh, and then it just gives you a very practical way one little baby step at a time to just get out of debt and be in a place where you can bless other people financially. Uh, and so, um, you know, I, I think of this story with Richard James. I think of my friend Ray Padgett. I think of how God provides funds. There's this concept, and I'm wrapping this up now. It's a concept in Scripture found in Psalm 23, and I believe it's Luke 6 where the idea of um, cup running over, some, something running over, and it's a it's a Jewish, from the Old Testament, the Jews understood that, and they had this picture of a, of a cup that would be filled, someone would be filling it, and then the idea is once the cup is full, then it starts flowing over, and they used that, they believed what the scriptures were teaching, was that, As that cup's being filled, God is ministering to our needs and our family's needs. And there'll come a point where he meets those needs and then it overflows. And that's where we bless others with. And so, again, your cup may not be running over because of where you're at financially. And and that's okay. And, you know, maybe because of your own choices and unwise decisions... Mm -hmm. You you might want to beat yourself up for like four minutes, and then that's it. Okay, and and then just it's under the blood of Christ. Ask God to help you to just get out of debt if debt is burying you or debt is hindering you from being able to bless others. Just ask God to help you, and we would love to have you come part. And I understand that uh, this is not our. I wish it was free. I know that Financial Peace University is expensive, it's cost, but we've helped uh, and people in our church have helped others who couldn't afford it to do it. Um, but by the way, here's the key. if somebody's gonna do it, we have learned that if there is no if someone doesn't have any skin in the game, in other words, there's been people that have paid for someone to go to a financial course or something else. They paid it all to be a blessing and that person had no skin in the game. And they're like, you know what, I didn't pay anything, and then they won't come. So we realize that if somebody... They have to pay something, just because it tends to help them make a commitment. But it is such a good, just a great course to help people get out of debt. And that's what I want. I am so conscious, as I've counseled folks, of financial strains. And I understand that. And that's why I'm not here beating you over the head saying we got to give to missions. I want Bible Baptist Church in Upper Darby to be the biggest missions church in all of Pennsylvania. Because we'll be glorious. It'll be awesome. So give. I want to give more. No, we're not doing that. I understand that there's many people that are not in a place to give. And so, you don't need to give to missions right now. But I do want to encourage you Get in a place where you can start giving. Investing in missions is awesome. We've got missionaries that come. Some of them come back on furlough. And they'll thank you. Thank you because of you people. We are able to be where we're at. Leading souls to Christ and preaching the gospel. What a thrill that is. And I hope if you're not able to give to missions this year. That you'll be able to in the near future. Or down the road. For your own sake not for what we get out of it, not for what the missionaries get out of it, but just so that you can bless God and see Him work. It's such a blessing. Not just missions, but you can give to one another in the church. What a blessing it is when I see God lay it on the heart of one family to help another family out. That happens all the time. What a thrill. But again, if you're not in a place, I understand that. But I want to encourage you it's possible to get out of debt. You're going to have to stop following the pattern of our government and start following biblical principles and you'll be in a place where you can bless others and it's great. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Father, for your blessing upon this dear congregation. And Father, I'm so aware of, um, of what sin does, of what the world does, and so many times uh, we get beat up. And sometimes, Lord, it, it can be self inflicted. We've made wrong choices. We can't go back and write certain things. Uh, Father, I understand that. That's why I'm so very grateful that it is not our um, actions, our labor, our work, the work of our hands, the things we do that makes us right with you. I'm so grateful for what Jesus did on Calvary. Shedding his blood so we could have our sins forgiven. Nothing given on our part. Lord, I pray for those that may not have been saved by faith alone. They may still be trusting in their good works, even if it's just one good work. Uh, Father, help them to realize uh, and get genuinely born again by believing and embracing the gospel alone. And we'll thank you for it. Help us, Lord, as we anticipate next year and giving to missions. Uh, Help us, Lord, to be a blessing so that many precious souls will hear the gospel because we've sent missionaries to other nations. And then, Lord, most importantly, help us to reach our neighbors. Help us to reach America, our own country, desperately in need of the gospel. And we'll thank you for it. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.